0: Howdy! I seen if y'all is paying attention this morning. Do you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter eleven? Hebrews chapter eleven. As we continue walking through this uh, chapter, titled by many as the the Hall of Faith or the Great Hall of Heroes of Faith, uh, this this chapter in the book of Hebrews really shows us that the author or God's way of telling us, no matter what, don't give up. No matter what, don't back down. No matter what, keep going. And as I was thinking about this morning, as I was thinking about this passage, I, I couldn't help but thinking that basically what he's saying is, when the going gets tough, the tough keep going. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, but that's one of the many things that we say that maybe we don't quite understand sometimes, or maybe we say because we feel like that's the thing we're supposed to say. And so we say, well, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough keep going, or the tough get going. Well, the truth is, is that's one thing to say. It's a whole nother thing to live out. The truth is, is that you can begin a journey, then things get tough, and you're not so sure If you want to keep going, the truth is in life, as we go through life, things get tough. And sometimes we don't feel so tough. Sometimes when we think about Monday, we think, I don't know if I'm tough enough to handle Monday. Think about uh, dealing with things that come up in our lives, whether it be in our family, whether it be with our spouse, whether it be with our kids, whether it be any number of things. We think, "I I don't know if I'm tough enough to deal with this. That's not even to mention the fact of if, you've so, if you're someone who's chosen to follow Jesus, well, it's one thing to say that I'm going to follow Jesus. It's a whole other thing to actually do it, isn't it? It's like we, we pretend like, you know, that's it. I've chosen to follow Jesus. That's the end of the story. Well, no, that's actually where the story begins. And it's only then that you begin to learn that it's not always easy to follow Jesus, that it can actually be tough can be difficult, it can be challenging to do what God has called you to do. Just ask our boy Abraham that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Abraham was a man who when God said go, he went. God said go and I'll tell you when you get there. And so he said okay, I'll go, I'll leave everything I've ever known. I'll go on this journey not knowing where I'm headed. I'll I'll do what you told me to do. And he does, and he ends up in a famine. He ends up in a battle or two. He ends up doing all these different things and getting caught up in all these different challenges. And God says, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a son. He makes him wait 15 years for this son. And Abraham tries to make up for God's timing, and you know the rest of that story He ends up causing all kinds of issues uh, in his life and in the life of others because he thought that you know God was going too slow. He tries to have a, a son with a different woman other than his wife. Things don't work out so well for him on that on that front. You can imagine Abraham at certain points saying, "You know, the tough is, or the going is just too tough for me. I think maybe I want to go home. I think maybe I want to go back to where I came from, where I knew everybody and everybody knew me. You know, every time I walked in, it sounded like the theme song to Cheers, right? Where everybody knows your name. I I knew everyone and everyone knew me. Maybe that's where I need to go." But no, he kept moving forward. How did he keep moving forward? How did he become the person that we read about in Hebrews 11? Is it because he was tougher than us? No. I don't know if you remember this from last week, but when Abraham was faced with the challenge, very often he backed down. Like there was a time where he thought maybe this guy might kill him because his wife was hot. And so he didn't even bring up the fact that she was his wife. He was willing to let her go without even saying, hey, that's, that's my woman. That's Abraham, our big hero. That's how tough he was. So what kept him from giving up on God? What kept him in the fight? What kept him on the path? Well, the the first part we're going to look at this morning is in Hebrews 11, verse 13. We see this faith that Abraham had and this faith that these other men and, and women that we've read about and will read about had. And so Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. We pray with me? Father, I pray that you would give us this faith that we're going to read about this morning, that we have read about. God, that you would show us how to have the faith we need to face the challenges in front of us. God, that You would show us what it is You're calling us to, what it is You're calling us into, Lord, and that we would have the strength we need to walk with You. God, that You would give us the grace we need to follow You. God, that You would give me the strength and the wisdom to understand how to to open up and explain Your Word this morning. God, I pray that You would come and that You would fill our, our hearts with the Holy Spirit and that You would speak into our lives and that You would change us, Lord. God, we need Your help. We need Your help now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we we see the first principle here is that these people who walked by faith and died by faith did so because they were focused on the right place. They had their eyes set on the right country. They had their eyes set on the right thing, the right uh, goal, if you will. You you see, they, they stood in difficult times and they moved forward in difficult times because they looked past this world into the next. The author of Hebrews here is saying that these people who struggled and these people who made it, they struggled and they made it because they weren't looking in the here and now. They were looking for a better tomorrow. They were looking forward to the goal that God would one day give them. You notice that he says here that they died in faith. They never even got to lay their hands on the promise of God. All these people that that the Bible is telling us about, that God is telling us about, they died looking forward to what god had promised they never actually grabbed a hold of what god had promised until they left this world that's the sort of people that we are to follow that's the sort of people we are to imitate you see they saw god's promises from a distance as in they saw them on down the road they never actually got to grab a hold of them because they were looking by faith past this world they were saying, what I have in the here and the now is not my hope. What I have right now is not ultimately my hope. The city to come, well, that's my hope. It, it says here that they acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That this, is, this planet is not their home. Since says on the earth. It doesn't even say in their country. It says on the earth. This planet is not where they belong. Is what they confessed, what they acknowledged. I don't know about you guys, but if you ever show up anywhere where you're not really welcome or where you don't really belong, that's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? We talked about that in Sunday school, as a matter of fact, this morning. I, and I have to say that, you know, my top 100 embarrassing moments happen like that. I have like 100 embarrassing moments that can't really narrow down. But, but one of the things that embarrassed me more than anything, I was a freshman in college at, at Henderson, and one of the classes I had was accounting. And accounting started at 9 o'clock, and i am be honest with you, I, you don't want me to do your taxes. Let me just put it that way. I, I, didn't, I didn't do so well in accounting. I, rem, I don't remember the professor's name, but I remember that he was a Cajun guy and I couldn't understand most of what he said. That's what I'm blaming it on. I don't know what I blamed the second time I, I failed accounting on. But, but uh, anyway, I, I showed up. I got up late because I had not made good choices. And so I showed up late. I ran into class. And when I got to class, I looked around and all the seats were taken. Like, every, class, every seat in the class was, was taken. And I was like, man, I remember all these people being in my class. These must be the people who come on the days I don't come. What is, what is the deal here? Why can't I not find a seat? And so I begin to make my way in. You know, I'm scooting past this guy, and I'm scooting past this guy. Sorry, brother, you know, let me get in. The teacher's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me funny. And, you know, they're like, man, I can't believe this guy. I finally get sit down. I finally get quiet. I have to scoot my chair around a little bit. And I'm sitting there. And I look at the clock, and it doesn't say 9.20, it says 8.20. I'm like an hour early for my class. I have interrupted this class that I don't belong in for no reason other than the fact I couldn't tell time. So do I sit there and wait the extra 40 minutes for my class to start, or do I try and escape? I got up and walked out, right? I, so, excuse me, man, let me get past you. you know? And they're all staring at me still and I leave. And so, yeah, I'm hoping that I never see any of those people and they don't remember my face because that was extremely embarrassing. I don't belong here. This is not my home. This is not my class. This is what the author of Hebrews says that these people said about this world. I am different than this world. I am different than the people in this country. I'm different than the people in this earth because my home is not here. This is not where I belong. I'm a stranger here. I'm a foreigner. In fact, I don't have a home on this earth. My home is in heaven. He wants us to make the connection here that as believers in Jesus, we don't fit in. As believers in Jesus, we aren't part of the club. If this morning you're like, man, I'm I'm really tired of not ever fitting in, I'm really tired of, of not belonging, welcome to the club. Guess what following Jesus means? You don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't belong here. We don't have to try and fit in. We don't have to try and obey the rules of this world because we're not a part of it. We're part of a heavenly city, a city to come. You can quit trying to impress everybody around you. That's some freedom, right? I mean, it's sort of like being on a lifelong vacation. You guys know what I mean. When you go on vacation, you really don't care what those people think because you're not ever going to see them again. You break out the fanny pack. You, you drive slow and you look at stuff. Don't no matter how many times the people behind you are honking and flashing their lights, you're checking stuff out. And, and, you know you don't you don't care. Or you go camping. You know you don't have to put on your makeup or fix your hair or anything. Wear whatever you want. You get to be you. Here, the author of Hebrews says we get to be us. We get to be who God created us to be, because this is not where we're staying. This is not our final destination. We have freedom. To be who God has called us to. And so this world is not our home. We're not hanging on to these things. And then, and then we come to verse 14. And he says, For people who speak thus, or speak, people who speak like this, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Not that they are, are trying to go back home. That's verse 15. If they've been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have been able to go back. They would have had opportunity to return. He says, people who talk like this, they make it clear that this world is not my home. In fact, I'm just passing through. I'm looking for something past here. This place is not where I belong. And he goes on and he says, because if they wanted to go back, they knew where they came from. They could have turned the car around and went home. They could have turned the car around and went back to wherever they came from, but they didn't want that. They wanted something better. They wanted something out in front of them. He says, he says that they didn't have to go back. And so, guys, I, I want to tell you this morning that by faith, you don't have to go back. You don't have to turn around. You don't have to go back to the, the good old days. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, may, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but... You know, there are occasions in those of us who came to Christ later in life where we think, maybe, just maybe, the way I used to live might be better than what I'm doing now. Like, it was so much easier when I could do whatever I wanted, when I wanted, I didn't have to listen to Jesus and follow Jesus and do all these things He's calling me to. Surely that's easier. Or maybe, if, maybe if, even if you don't have that experience. Maybe as you look around you and you, you look at all these people who do whatever they want to do, and they don't have to follow Christ. And they, don't, uh, they aren't listening to Him. You think, man, that sounds easier. You know, maybe the good old days is better. But well, it's not. You know it's not. You know what the end result of the good old days is. You know the, where you ended up with the good old days. Following Jesus, that gives you hope for a better tomorrow. To turn around and go back? Why? Why would you go back to that? Why would you... Go back to where you were. Why would you not keep moving forward to where God is calling you to? Why would you look at those who aren't following Christ and say, Man, I want to live like them. I want to live for myself and do whatever I want. You can. But the end result is not a better home. The end result is not a better city. Listen to to what he, he says here in verse 16. He says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city, a better country. They desire a better country. What could be better than living in the land of the free and the home of the brave? What could be better than living in the spa city with all of our wonderful things, all of our great places to eat and shop and all the great drivers we have in this town? But, I mean, what could be better than that? Nothing on this earth. A heavenly city is where these people were headed. The reason why they didn't want to go home, the reason why they didn't want to turn around, is because they knew that where they were headed is better than anything this world has to offer. They were not headed to another nation. They were headed to a heavenly city, a spiritual city, an eternal land, a land where God himself has prepared for them, a land whose builder and designer is God himself. I wonder this morning where your city is, what city you're trying to fit into, what city you're living for. As you think about your life, are you you living your life in such a way that says, no, this this place is my home. This is where I spend most of my time. This is where I spend most of my effort. Or are you thinking more about the city to come, the heavenly city? And I, I know there's a certain way that as we get older the heavenly city becomes better and better of an option, right? I, I've, I'm experiencing that in, in my own life, right? As, as, I, as I get older, I realize how much better the life to come has to be than the life here. And so I get that, and I get that there's that slow realization that we have. But I just wonder this morning, what, what worries you? Where are your worries coming from? Are they coming from trying to hang on to a life that was always meant to be temporary, as if you're trying to hang on to the utensils you took camping, as if you're trying to hang on to the possessions that were never meant to be treasures to begin with, as if you're trying to fit in with a group of people that aren't even your own uh, country, the people who you have to confess, I am a stranger and a foreigner in this land. Is that where your worries are coming from? Because you're trying to fit into a world that you don't belong in? Or are you looking forward to a city that you can only see through faith? A city that you can only catch a glimpse of through faith and through what God's Word says. By faith this morning, we can look past this earthly city that we have to the heavenly city that God has designed for us. This heavenly city that will never go away. And so what I I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at Abraham and I want to look at the type of faith that Abraham had. We're going to go down to verse 17 here in just a second and we're going to look and see because one of the questions that's going to come up at least for me and in my discussions with folks, is how? How do I trust God when I'm going through this? How do I have more faith? How can I have more faith? Well, I want you to think about Abraham. As I mentioned earlier, Abraham left his home. He left his folks. He left everything and he followed God. And he went through all this stuff to follow God. He's a, he was 75 and now he's 100 years old. And he finally gets the baby that God had promised. God had said, I'm going to give you a son. And he finally gets it. And he's like 100 years old. Him and Sarah received this baby. They received this blessing from the Lord, the Son of Promise that God has called him. And he says, Abraham, this son, the son is going to bless the whole world. And through this son, there's going to be more people who come through this son than you can even count the sand on the seashore. That's how many people are going to come through this son I'm going to give you, Abraham. And finally, 15 years later, Sarah's over 100 years old and she has a baby boy. She says, I'm going to call his name Isaac. This name that means laughter, because everyone's going to laugh when they hear this, because it's so unbelievable. It's so amazing what God has done. It is amazing that God has finally blessed us with this son. This is Our joy is full. Our hearts are full with joy because of the son, the son named Isaac that God has given us. Then one morning, God wakes Abraham up and says, Hey, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac. I want want you to take your son Isaac, the son of promise, your only son. And I want you to take Isaac up on the mountain. And when you get up on the mountain, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice this son to me. I want you to kill your son. So Abraham gets up. He gets his son, his servant, saddles the donkey, and they begin up the mountain. The Bible tells us that as they're on their way up the mountain, Isaac looks over at Abraham and he says, Daddy... Where's, the, where's the, the sheep for the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at Isaac and he says, Don't worry, son. God will provide a lamb for himself. And so they go up on the mountain and Abraham gets ready to sacrifice his son. And as he raises his knife, God says, Abraham, don't, don't hurt him. I just wanted to see if you were willing to give him back to me. Instead, so take that ram over there and you sacrifice it in your son's place. Let him be the substitute for your son. And so we come to verse 17, and this is what the author of Hebrews says about Abraham and why he was able to do that. Because as you read this, guys, you've got to admit that this tugs at your heart and makes you un- even uncomfortable to think about God asking this of Abraham. But look at verse 17. This is how Abraham was able to do this. By faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So in other words, Abraham actually did get Isaac back from the dead in a sense because he was as good as dead and God gave him back to him. How was Abraham able to do that in that moment for Abraham? God's promise was more certain than death. Abraham knew God's promise. God had promised Abraham, Abraham, through this son, all the peoples will be blessed and there will be more people than the sand on the seashore, Abraham. So Abraham believes what God has said. He believes God's word more than he believes his own eyes. And he says, you know what? Be really hard to have a, a nation of people more numerous than the sands of the sea if he's dead. So, God must be going to raise him from the dead. See, Abraham, he understands God's promise and he believes God's promise. And so he says, God, I believe you more than what I can see. I believe you more than what I can understand and what I can figure out. In this moment, Abraham is saying, God, I don't know how you're going to work it out, but I know you will. In fact, God, That's really not my problem. That's on you. I'm just going to trust you. He was free to say, God, whatever happens, it happens. I know you have it under control and I know you will take care of my son and I know you will provide a way. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm simply going to put my faith in you. How was Abraham able to believe that? Because he could just put one foot in front of the other and say, God, I'll believe you. I'll trust you. Do you think... Uh, months or weeks before this, when he had just received his son, or years before this, when he had just received his son, if you asked Abraham, Abraham, would you be willing to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice to God? Uh, do you think Abraham would have said, "Yeah"? I don't know that he would. I think he may have said, "I hope so. I'll find out if I ever have to cross that bridge. I hope I don't have to cross it though. I, I don't. I don't know that God gives us the faith we need to make it through the stuff that comes up in our life until we actually need that faith." You know, sometimes we think, oh, these people have so much faith. How do they have so much faith? Because they've been through stuff like this. They've been through those times where the only possible way to make it out is for God to act and do something amazing. And He does. Then the next time, the only possible way to make it out is for God to act and do something amazing. And He does. The only possible way to make it forward is for God to do something. And He does. Time after time after time. And eventually... We begin to say, you know what, God? I think you may have this. You know what, God? I think you may actually be in control. I think you actually know what you're doing. And I'm going to follow you no matter what my eyes tell me. No matter what my brain tells me. I'm going to trust you because I know you're good. And I know you're wise. And I know that you can make these things happen. Can you imagine Abraham's faith after that day on the mountain? God had shown himself faithful yet again. God had shown himself as true yet again kind of puts life in perspective, doesn't it? Receiving your child back from the dead, basically. What's his worst fear at that point? Is there anything else that's going to shake this man? Is there anything else that's going to make this man afraid? If God can do this, what can God not do? Like if God... As you think about your own life and you look through all the things that God has brought you up through, and you look at your situation right now and you say, you know what? If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. If he was faithful then... take care of me now if he was able to do that then he can do it now he's the same God if he was able to do this for Abraham how much more so for us we simply follow God each step of each day you look at people and you say how in the world did you make it through that I said I don't know I just trusted God he took care of the rest see guys it's not about being tough it's not about having faith for next year it's about having faith for right now Sometimes I think we spend so much time trying to figure out how to have faith for what may happen that we forget, oh, I'm just going to trust God with what is going on. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today. Let God handle tomorrow, you trusting today. There's nothing you can do about tomorrow. Why do we spend so much time worrying about stuff we can't do anything about? You can't do anything about it? What are you worried about it for? It's a waste of time. Trust the Lord. Obey Him. Follow him. Say, Lord, it's on you. It's your job. It's not my job. It's like the one job that's not ours that we want to do, right? We're really good at saying, that's not my job. I'm not going to mess with it until it comes to something we can't handle and something we can't figure out. We're like, God, watch out. I got this. Isn't that funny how we do that? God, you get out of the way. I'm going to show you how to handle this. I don't think I can trust you with this. But God says, trust me today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Anytime God's promise and death collide god's promise wins every single time guys god's promise is more certain than death i I want you to just think about this quickly with me as i get ready to to close here in a little while sometime but but uh think about think about lazarus think about the man who was jesus's friend who loved jesus who jesus loved And, and lazarus gets sick And he dies. Jesus could have showed up. He could have healed him. He could have made him well, but he doesn't. Instead, he waits three days. They've already had the funeral. Everything's over. Lazarus is dead. Jesus shows up and he says, Hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. Y'all don't worry about this. I got this. And he says, Take me to the tomb. So they do. And he says, Roll away the stone. And Martha said, That's a bad idea, Jesus. He's for sure dead. And he for sure stinks. I'm certain of this. And Jesus says, I don't care. Roll away the stone. So they roll away the stone. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out. He says, get them graves clothes off of him. He's not dead, he's alive. Death has met my promise that I am the resurrection and life. See, death is no match for the promise of the Lord. You, you think about Jesus himself. He said, you, I, I will die, but in three days later I will rise again. And so he goes and he is crucified he is flogged and he hangs on the tree he hangs on the cross and he says it is finished and he gives up his spirit and he pays for our sins he pays for your sins and the soldiers say make sure he's dead make certain he's dead take that spear and stab it in his side and so they do and blood and water come out they say well yeah we're sure he's dead well, take him and put him in the tomb. And the Pharisees say, let's make sure, let's make certain that this dead man stays dead. Put a big boulder in front of that tomb that no one can move, okay? In fact, put a seal on it to make certain that nobody moves that stone. Okay, well, and just to be sure, put some guards out there to make sure that this dead man stays dead. Three days later, God's promise and death collide. And Jesus walks out He moves the stone so everybody can see he's not in there. Because when God's promise of eternal life and death come head to head, God's promise wins every single time. And if that's true, then what in this world could ever overtake us? If he who would not even withhold his own son from us loves us this much and is able to defeat death, what is there beyond what he can handle? What is there beyond what we can handle? How do we keep on keeping on how do the tough keep going how do we keep a smile on our face when we're facing heartache where we lose those who we love where the those who we love hurt us where we it seems like everybody has just lost their their minds where just one economic downturn can destroy our our life savings how do we not fear every single day how do we smile in a world full of cancer and where children are hurt and killed and innocent lives are taken how do we find joy how do we find hope for tomorrow? How do we get excited about life? I mean, it can be kind of depressing if you turn on the news. How, how do we do this? Is it by saying, you know what, I'm going to pretend like nothing out there is happening. I'm going to pretend like everything's okay. I'm just going to ignore all the stuff i got going on. Is that how we deal with it? That's not a good idea. That usually doesn't work out well, does it? Problems that we ignore tend to get worse. No, it's by realizing that this, home is, this world is not our home. It's by realizing that there's nothing that we have that is permanent, that there's nothing that we truly need that can be taken from us. Because God is our God and He has prepared a city for us and that city won't be shaken no matter what happens here. It's by looking forward to tomorrow. It's by looking forward to that city whose builder and designer is God, this eternal city. And so I just wonder this morning if you're hurting, if you're trying to figure out how to press forward as you look at your life and you say, man, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Can I challenge you this morning and say, wait a minute, that's not my job. God, I'm just going to trust you and do what you called me to and let you figure out the rest. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to worry about how I can serve you today. I'm not going to worry about these things I can't handle and I'm going to let you handle them. I'm going to hand them over to you. It's by speaking like these people spoke, saying this world is not my home. What I have here is not permanent. And if your voice isn't loud enough, if you can't say it loud enough to get through the stuff you're going through, find somebody else to say it back to you. Man, that's it and it. The Lord has a plan. He, has a, he knows what He's doing. and He's going to work all this out. You trust Him. You obey Him. He'll take care of the rest. Maybe find some people who need to hear that and go tell them. So that when you need to hear it, they'll know, hey, remember what you told me? That works for me. I don't know if it works for you, but the best argument against me sometimes is what I've said in the past. I don't know if that's true for y'all, but you know, if somebody says back to you, well, you remember, that's what you said, you're like, oh yeah, God is going to take care of us. God is going to provide for us. God is going to work these things out. And so this morning, if you're struggling, ask the Lord, God, help me to, to see the city more clearly through faith. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've never followed him, let me, let me give you the two options that we're really presented with in this world. The first option is do whatever you want. Live however you want. Live it up. Do whatever you want to do. And then at the end, reap the rewards of that. Reap the rewards of doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it, only for you and for your desires. The Bible tells us that the rewards for that is death, eternal death. That's one option. The second option is to follow Jesus. To say, you know what? This world's not my home. I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. I, I know that He died on the cross. I know that He paid for my penalty. And I'm going to follow Him. I know that I'm wrong. I know I've been wrong. And I know I always will be wrong. And I'm going to ask Him to forgive me. It's not up to me. It's up to Him. Jesus says, whoever believes in me won't die, but have everlasting life. He says, follow me. Trust on me. doesn't say be perfect. Doesn't work out, does it? Not many perfect people in this world. Besides, if you ask my mama, you know, but other than that, there's not any perfect people in this world. We all deserve God's punishment. We all deserve God's wrath equally. The question is, are you willing to say, you know what? I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. And I want to follow you and spend eternity with you. If you're willing to do that this morning, would you come? At, during our time of invitation, if you would stand with us, and as you stand, we have a time of singing, and this time of singing is a, is a time where you, uh, you just respond to the Lord in the way that He 's calling you to. If he 's saying, "You know what, you need to trust me with this." I, I, and I don 't know what everybody 's got going on this morning, but just like always, everybody's got stuff going on they don 't know how to deal with. And you, maybe God's just calling you this morning and say, "You know what? you don 't know what tomorrow holds, but I do. put your faith in me. If that's you, then would you put your faith in him this morning?" If you've never trusted on him, you've never followed him, would you do that? Would you say, Lord, save me, redeem me, and make me whole, and make me new? Let me pray for you, and after I pray, we'll sing. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are good, and that you love us. God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the gift of faith that we have this morning, and the gift of the city to look forward to. Lord, I thank you so much that this world isn't the end. God, I thank you so much that my hope and our hope is not here. Lord, I thank you that as we look at what's going on in this world, God, that we know that ultimately this isn't what our our hope is. God, that we're not hoping that this world gets better. We're hoping for a better world altogether. And so, Lord, I'd help you, I pray and hope this morning that you'd help us to put our faith and our trust in you and look forward to that heavenly city. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.